We continue to dive into this new sermon series called Hindsight. And I've got enough hindsight to know that unless I pray and ask God to speak through me, that nothing good is going to happen. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here in our midst. Again, your faithfulness. And Father God, I pray that you would take these words from your scriptures and bring them alive to us. I pray you would speak through me. I pray you would speak through Daniel over in the auditorium. That your word would be declared and that we would be strengthened, we would be transformed, and we would see a future with possibilities. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Last week, Dr. Jones in this room kicked us off in here and said that when when we make a bad decision in the past, it should inform us in the present and impact our future. A bad decision in the past should change the way we deal with things in the present and impact how we deal with things in the future. As I was working on the sermon and the message, I was reflecting back on hindsight, on ministry. And one of the things that seminary did not prepare me for was hiring staff or even to manage staff. I don't remember taking that class uh, on staff and HR and all that stuff. So as a young pastor uh, in Conway, after serving as a youth pastor for three years, an associate pastor, I was now the pastor in charge, right? And I knew, I felt we needed to hire a youth pastor and somebody that could come in and kind of reach the young people in the community. But I didn't know what I was doing. And um, so we did some interviews. I did some interviews. And I finally settled on a young man who was a student at Coastal Carolina. Seemed like a real sharp guy and uh, good personality and has some good, you know, good spiritual history to him. So after about two weeks, some of the church members said, hey, um, I don't think this guy's going to work out. And I go, well, you know, he's a young guy, you know, you got to give him some time and all that. He said, no, 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 this guy's got some issues. And I said, well, okay. So another week goes by and then another member calls me and says, hey, you got to get rid of the new youth guy. I'm going, okay. He said, what? He said, just call his telephone number and listen to his voice message. So I did. And the voice message went something like this. Now, I struggle whether to share this with you, but... But, you know, hindsight may be, may be good. But anyway, uh, but the, basically the message was um, rub-dub-dub, three women in a tub. I can't get to the phone right now. And I went, click. <laughs> and he was no longer our youth pastor, you know. So, um, you know, I missed that one. Um, I, uh, I'm thankful that I have people that are better than me helping me make those choices now. We did hire a youth pastor who... Ended up being one of our better youth pastors here. But early on in his uh, tenure here, he took a group of students on a camping trip up in the mountains during spring break, including our son who's here today and with uh, his, his wonderful wife, soon to be with child. So, um, but anyway, they took Aaron and some other kids on a camping trip. And after they left, the, the weather changed, you know, is in, in April and this solar blast came in to the mountains it was going to be like 22 degrees that night. And we got a little concerned about these students and our youth pastor who was in charge of these students. 
And so we called the ranger station where they're at because they don't have a phone service up there. And the ranger said, oh, yeah, they checked in, uh, but their, their car's no longer here or the van's gone. Well, hey, this guy's a pretty good youth pastor. Maybe he's taking the kids to a motel, which would make sense because it's going to be 20, 20 degrees out there. Well, we never heard from him, and, uh, but we're thinking they're okay. And, and so next morning, midday, I get a phone call from WIS. It's never good to get a phone call from WIS. I've got a couple of them in the last couple of weeks, actually. But anyway, uh, and uh, they said, hey, there is a youth group missing on the Chattooga River. And uh, we wonder if it could be yours. And I didn't have an answer for that because I didn't know. Because I didn't know where they were. And uh, so we got a little bit anxious, prayed about it, prayed for them. And about 2 o'clock, I got a phone call. Hey, the van just pulled into the parking lot. They're okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I go and we pick up our son, Aaron, who's in a cast because he's had surgery. And we go, Aaron, where were you guys at last night? Well, Dad, we can't say. Uh, I'm not sure that's the answer I need to get right now. Uh, well, we made a promise we wouldn't tell. How much do you like your youth pastor? Oh, I like him a lot. Well, you better tell me where you guys are at. You know? And uh, so anyway, he said, well, Dad, it was getting cold. We knew it was going to get cold. And so we thought it was best that we come back to Lexington. We spent last night in Lexington. Okay. Um, we had a good conversation with the youth pastor, and uh, he continued on, but we put a GPS tracking device on him wherever he went. <laughs> Hindsight, 2020. You know, Dr. Jones talked about last week the importance of biblical wisdom that should be revealed when we look back. That if we ignore biblical wisdom, our mistakes become a pattern that can lead to a lifestyle of regret. Biblical wisdom. I want to encourage you in 2020 to start bringing this with you when you come to church. We're going to get into it every week, I promise you. Every room is going to talk about this book, God's Word. And we need some, some biblical wisdom to give us perspective for the future. Amen? Everybody's got their Bible just said amen. Everybody's going like, I'll try to remember to bring that thing. <laughs> I know some of you got it on your phone. We'll give you, we'll give you credit for that. So that, that gives credit. But looking back we can see where God has provided guidance and direction if we were paying attention. I want to read to you a passage from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And the subtitle for this reading says, Paying Attention to Scripture. <laughs> and I would add, Paying Attention to Truth. Paying Attention to Biblical Wisdom. So here's what... Peter writes, therefore, I will remind you about these things, always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught. It is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as you live. Keep on reminding you as long as I live, says Peter. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So throughout this message and throughout this series and throughout 2020, we're going to be seeking to remind each other of what God has said and what God has done in history. It is not something we need to forget. 
I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 77, 11. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Psalm 103, 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Now, I think if all of us could be honest for a minute as we look back on hindsight, that the reason we're in this room today is because at some point in our history, God did something good for us. Can I get an amen to that? That there was a time when God did something good for you. Now, you may have forgotten it. You may have left it, but it doesn't change the fact that God did something good for you. First Chronicles 16, 12, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Miracles and judgments. So if you're a good parent here in the room today, you know there have been times when you've had to discipline your children. You had to make some correction to them. It's part of being a good parent. In the same way, our God loves us enough to give us some correction. And somewhere in your past, if you're a follower of God, he has corrected you. He has disciplined you. He has tried to teach you something or show you something. And maybe it wasn't easy. It never is. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Now, whenever Peter is reminding them of all the things that you need to remember, standing firm on the truth, for Peter and for the, the apostles, they were talking about what Jesus had done, but they were also were pointing them back to the Old Testament. You know, we live in a world today, we want to discard the Old Testament. Jesus taught from the Old Testament. That was his text. That was what he used to teach the people. He, he knew it from front to cover. He knew the law. He knew the Torah. He knew, he knew what uh, the people had been given through tradition and through God's presence, through the prophets. And so as we look back for a minute into the Old Testament, I want to focus on Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus 14. We're going to be there. If you've got your phone, go ahead and turn on your Bible app to Exodus 14. Because you remember the story... It's a story where God's children were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years of slavery, 400 years of bondage, 400 years of weeping and crying. And then comes this event that where Mount Horeb gets its namesake. At at Mount Horeb at the burning bush, God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to go and set my people free. And Moses makes all kinds of excuses why he's not the man for the job. But God says, I want you to go. So the story unfolds and and Moses goes and and then there's these 10 plagues. And and, and then finally, through God's divine power, the the Pharaoh changes his mind and and lets God's people go. 600,000 men leave Egypt, not counting the women and children. So well over a million are released from captivity, are released from bondage. And you get into the text here. They've gone out of Egypt. Now they're traveling, and they've now camped beside the Red Sea. We pick up the story in verse 10 of Exodus 14, because, see, Pharaoh's had a change of heart. 
And now he's pursuing these Israelites. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. How many of you have looked up and panicked? Where's God? How are we going to handle this situation? What are we going to do? They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Now, did the Egyptians overtake them? No. But how many of us feel like we've been overtaken when we haven't yet been overtaken? We're ready to give up. We're ready to wave the white flag because we've been overtaken. No, we haven't. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, that's what church people do. They cry out to the Lord and say to the pastor, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? (laughs) I've heard that a few times. We told you this was going to happen. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Better to be a slave than a corpse in the wilderness. Their hindsight wasn't very good. They were, they were confused. They were struggling big time. Graves and slaves. Graves and slaves. You know, when our life is marked by graves and slaves, we're living in the past. And we're living a life of regret. A life based on failure. You see, we can give our past power or we can gain perspective from our past. And I believe we want to have a season of hindsight where we don't give power to the past, but we gain perspective from the past. You can remain a prisoner of your past or allow your past to give you a purpose. You can remain a slave and you can stay in a grave or you can believe that Jesus came to break your chains and give you resurrection. Amen? We all have that choice here today. I can stay a slave and I can stay in a grave or I can let Jesus break the chains and give me resurrection. See, they say it took about 45 days to get the Israelites out of Egypt to this place. If you know the whole story, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites because they wanted to stay in the past. They were a people that grumbled and complained, and their hindsight was not good. You know, when we look back in hindsight, it's 2020 vision. We can see history with perfect vision. There's no mystery about what happened in the past. There's no mystery that God delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh. No question. As Lynn and I reminisce and look back at the past in hindsight, she has to help me remember some of this stuff because I can't always remember everything that's happened. And she'll say, you remember that? I go, not really. That's why I got you, though. Help me out here. We can, we, can, we can recollect and put it back together pretty much as it happened because it happened that way. But we cannot gain perspective if we choose to deny the past. If we live in denial because of pain or embarrassment or failure, 
we, we, we are unwilling to face our past, we can never gain perspective from our past. We can live uh, in denial. One of my favorite books uh, coming early through seminary and out of seminary, and I've given it to a lot of people, uh, is Dr. David Seaman's book, Healing for Damaged Emotions. And, and, and all of us have emotions that have been damaged in the past. And we look back and we can see those things where people have harmed us and, and pushed us and bullied us or, or, or mistreated us or whatever it might be. And, and the answer is not ignoring it. The answer is not denying it. The answer is facing it with grace and facing it with power. And Dr. Siemens talks about in his book about the importance of going back and standing down the hallway of regret. The hallway of regret and the hallway of pain where all those portraits of things that have happened to you are hanging. And you walk up to each one of them and you face it and you go, God, with your grace, I want you to heal that hurt. I want you to take away that pain. I want you to, I want to put that behind me now. You got to face your pain. You got to face your past and know that God has a power to deliver you from it. Now, you also can't choose to rewrite history. One of my great pet peeves when we try to rewrite history, revise what happened. No, that's not what happened. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you people that do that. And then sometimes we never gain perspective about the past because we want to remain there. It's more comfortable to stay there. And that's what the Israelites are saying. It's more comfortable to stay a slave. They come out here and face these challenges of a new beginning. We can get comfortable in our pain. We can get comfortable as slaves. But God has something better for you. God has something greater for you. That's, that's the challenge of something called generational curses, where a generation of dysfunction breeds another generation of dysfunction and despair. And it just continues to to develop. And God wants to break that generational curse. He's come to break it and to set you free from it and for you to start something new and be the person that God wants you to be. You could be that person that could break that generational curse in your family, in your family tree, in your family history. And when we begin to face our past with the grace and the power of God, we begin to realize that there are lessons to learn there. There are lessons to learn. We begin to rejoice that God brought us through those things. And that's what Peter is saying. Remember what God has brought you through. Realize the lessons that you learned and rejoice that God brought you through it. And never forget what he can do. Now, I can tell you, I don't relish the fact that I was raised in a dysfunctional family. I don't relish the fact that I was put into foster care. I don't relish the fact that I never had a relationship with my mom. But as I look back in perspective, I realize that God used all of that to bring some good into my life. And that God used that to help shape who I am today. And God has given me a perspective about people that I wouldn't have had had I not gone through that. He didn't put me there. People made bad decisions that put me there. But God began to use it because I faced it. And God says, I can use this and give you a different perspective. So what are the lessons that we can learn from biblical hindsight? Looking again at this chapter 14 of the book of Exodus. The first thing I would say that you've got to learn as a lesson from biblical hindsight is in Exodus, God knew the path. God knew the path. Exodus 14, 
1 through 3. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Theophathora. Everybody say that real loud. Between Medidol and the sea, camp there along the shore across from Balzavon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. But God knew the path. And let me tell you this morning, God knows your path. You may be confused about your path. You may not know where you're going, but God knows your path. God knew my path. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the direction I want you to go in. Now, we can wander away from the path, as we'll see the Israelites did for 40 years. They wandered away from God's path. But God knew the path. I was thinking back in hindsight of Flatwoods, Kentucky, of Raceland, Kentucky, of McHale, Russell, those places where God took me on a journey through Indiana, through Ohio, through Pennsylvania, to Florida, eventually to Myrtle Beach, to Missouri, to Conway, to Lexington, to Liberia, to Haiti. God knows your path. Amen? And I can look back and see that God had a path, and he led me on that path. He's got a path for you. It gives your hindsight perspective that God knew where you were. God didn't lose you. Now, you may have lost touch with God, but God didn't lose touch with you. Amen? That gives you perspective. The second thing I know from biblical hindsight from this passage is God was sovereign. Boy, I'm glad God is sovereign. Exodus 14, 8 and 9, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fist raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses, chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore of Pithioth across from Baal-Zephon. The enemy was breathing down their neck, but God was sovereign. God could change a situation. God can change the minds of leaders. God is still on the throne. Amen? I don't care how confusing this world gets, how crazy this world gets. My God is still on the throne. And my God is going to have the last say. I believe that. I trust that. It gives me perspective because I've seen it in the past. I was told by a district superintendent, some of you heard this story uh, when Lynn and I were, had ventured into the, the great state of Missouri for three years, we, she wanted to come back to South Carolina. And that uh, district superintendent says, there's no place for you in South Carolina. You need to pack your bags and go back to Missouri or go back to Kentucky because there's no room for you in South Carolina. I'm glad God changed somebody's mind. <laughs> Amen. God changed somebody's mind. I don't know whose mind he changed, but he changed somebody's mind. Right? And thank you for that. But, Lynn is, Lynn's really excited that he changed somebody's mind because she got to go to Conway for 10 years. God still changes the minds of kings. Don't make no mistake about that. God still changes the minds of pharaohs, of government officials, of tyrants, of bosses, of bishops, and denominations. God changes minds. And sometimes we can't explain it. There is no explanation. I don't know what happened, but things changed. Well, God did something miraculous. Whenever I was a junior in college and I was traveling, our, our ministry team was traveling around the, the country speaking and doing concerts and 
the stuff that we were doing. School was kind of secondary. Uh, we were doing ministry, but we had to go to school, had to get a college degree, so I'd go to seminary. And I can tell you that I confess to you, moms and dads, I was not the best college student because I was trying to get to seminary. I want to get out of seminary, get a college so I can go to seminary. And, um, and so I, I struggled a little bit in college just because I was gone a lot. And that particular spring, I was taking a class in my major, sociological theory that was really hard, and I was gone a lot. And so I was struggling. I was failing the class. It was not going to be good. And I didn't know how, okay, God, I, I got to get to seminary. I got to get through this class. And then lo and behold, I get mono, right? That didn't help matters much. And so I ended up taking an incomplete uh, in that class and all the other classes. Knowing I had to come back the next semester and complete those classes, knowing that I was failing the class on sociological theory. So I went that summer, did some ministry in Green Sea, South Carolina as a youth pastor, prayed all summer long, get back to school, and I go to the office of the head of the Department of Sociological Theory, Sociology Department, and my professor, and there was a, there was a note outside the office door that said, Professor, I can't remember his name, so-and-so, has moved to the university, da-da-da, and all the students' grades are here, and everybody passed. Oh, praise the Lord. This is great. This is way God changed somebody's mind, you know. He changed somebody's mind. And all of a sudden, I am in good shape here. This is the grace of God. This is wonderful. Now, I don't suggest you try that. Um, but I, I didn't deserve that, that, that passing grade in sociological theory. I, I should have failed the class. But, but, but I made it through that. It woke me up. I finished my year strong, finished my senior year strong. Uh, and went on to seminary and the rest is history. But I believe that God has the power to change minds. And then I would say to you, God does fight for his people. He never stops fighting for his people. Exodus 14, 13 through 14. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will, say it with me, will fight for you just stay calm. How hard is that? Just stay calm. Just, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. Sometimes God wants to show off. And let me show you what I can do. Just stand still and watch. And pay attention. And get some perspective of my power. And then the next verse is the, is the other side of that coin because there are times when God says, just be still and just, just, just shut up and be quiet and watch what I can do. And then in the next one, God requires obedience or alignment with his word and his will. Exodus 14, 15 through 18. Then the, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh, his troops, his chariots, his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them and all Egypt, through them all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. There are times to stand still and be quiet and be calm. And there's other times to get moving. You got to get going. You got you to pick up, a, you got to pick something up, you got to take something up, you got to lay something down, you got to get going. 
And I love this statement here. Sometimes obedience only makes sense after you obey. <laughs> sometimes obedience only makes sense after you obey. You got to step out sometimes to find out what God can do. And if we don't, aren't willing to step out, we will never find out what God can do. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible for you to please God. You got to step out to find out. Now, let me say a word to you this morning about the difference between looking at hindsight, the difference between chronos time and kairos time. Chronos time is the, is the minutes, the seconds, the hours, the days, the months, the hour, sands of the hourglass is chronos time. Kairos is a moment in time. It's a decision. It's an action. It's a window of opportunity. And, and, and chronos is quantitative and kairos is qualitative. Kairos is a phenomena that can be observed but not measured. There are things that God can do that we can only observe, but we can't get our mind all the way around it. Chronos, you can measure it because it's right there in front of you. Minutes, hours, seconds, days, months, years. You see, my friends, we have a limited amount of time to make an impact. Don't you know that? A limited amount of time to make an impact. Some opportunities are more important than other opportunities. Some moments are more important than other moments. Over the last year, I've been challenged by, by some to say, Jeff, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I push back on that and say, I don't want to be on the wrong side of his story. And I don't want to miss the opportunities that God has given us. See, Kairos is much more important than Kronos. Is seizing the opportunities that God gives to us. My life, this ministry, our family have been marked by chaos moments. And so has yours. Either moments that you wish you would have done or moments you're thankful that you did. I had one of those chaos moments earlier this week. On Monday, I got a message that Jay Hutto, who's here this morning, Jay, you and Linda are here this morning. Our prayers are with you. Great people. I got a, got a message that Jay's father had passed away. And you know how this is, Jay. When I got the message, my intention was to call you right then, but then this happened and this happened and this happened. And all along, I kept getting that Carol's moment. You need to call Jay. You need to call Jay because you know what? Jay would have called me. <laughs> it was the right thing to do. Had that Carol's moment to call Jay. Don't, don't forget to call Jay. And finally, the sea parted and I called Jay and we had a good conversation on Monday and shared together. You see, if I'd missed that moment, Jay would have been disappointed in me as his, as his friend and as his pastor. You know, I thought, I thought Jeff would have called. I can't believe Jeff hadn't called. I mean, he, he always calls. See, haven't you had those moments whenever you knew you needed to do something and you're so glad you did? And sometimes you've had those moments whenever we let the Red Sea get in the way, and we don't make that call. We don't make that move. We don't seize that moment. That's a chaos moment. And Lynn and I are blessed to have Jay and Linda as friends. We've been together 24 years here in the church, seeing God do great things. A few years ago, Lynn and I had another chaos moment 
when our daughter Ashley got pregnant and wasn't married and had a baby, a little baby named Harper Grace, and, and was struggling, struggling with a place to live. And Lynn and I said, I think God wants us to bring Ashley and Harper Grace back home. And it was, a, it was a, not an easy decision. It was a hard decision. But it was a chaos moment. And we said, and when we were wrestling with the decision, either we're going to be disappointed that we didn't make this call 10 years from now, wish we had of, or 10 years from now, we're going to go, we're so glad that we did. And I can tell you, we're glad that we did. And God has blessed in that situation and God has brought some healing in that situation and it's been good. Keros moments. One last Keros moment, I remember whenever we got here 25 years ago, the church was really struggling, really, you know, struggling to make it. And, and so I remember calling my predecessor uh, when we found out we were coming, may come to Lexington. I'd never been to Lexington, didn't know where it was. I knew where Lexington, Kentucky was, but I didn't know where Lexington, South Carolina was. I said, well, it can't be too bad. You know, there's good things in Lexington, Kentucky. Got to be good things in Lexington, South Carolina. And so I, uh, I called my predecessor, and, and I looked at the statistics, and the church was struggling, not doing well. And I said to him, I said, hey, I see the church is struggling. Is the area struggling? Oh, no, no. It's, we've got a great lake. I said, that, that sounds good. Um, we got uh, subdivisions going in. It's, it's all good. I said, well, why, why is the church struggling? i never forget his comment was, he says, well, my experience has been that when people move to the lake, they don't like to go to church. Okay, I never heard that one before, but anyway, I said, I, I felt the Lord said, you need to go to Lexington. They got a great lake, uh, and, and, and they got new people moving in. It's good, you know. So we came, and uh, God did the rest, and a few years later, we had built this building, this sanctuary, the, the, um, the gym back there, and, and we invited the, the former pastors back to come and, you know, thank them for their leadership. And I never forget my predecessor was in the, in the gym looking around, admiring the room and everything. And he said these words, he said, I really wish they'd left me here a couple more years so I could see this, you know, <clears throat> you know? and I'm not sure he got the Keros moment of it, you know, that there, there are, there, there's a time, there's a window of opportunity. See, too often we see obstacles when God sees opportunities. We see things as obstacles, and God sees them as opportunities. Today, as you look at hindsight, will you not look at things as obstacles, but as opportunities? I'm going to give you real quickly leverage biblical hindsight. I got to fly here. Uh, in order to leverage biblical hindsight, you got to trust God's character. We serve a good God. It was a good God that brought him out of Egypt. It was a good God that had him beside the Red Sea. It was a good God that wasn't going to let Pharaoh overtake them. Not everything that happens in the world is good. But that doesn't mean that God isn't good. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. We serve a good God. Amen? Amen. Trust God's goodness. Number two, trust God's call. God called them out of Egypt. He was not going to forget them. He was not going to leave them. He was not going to abandon them. If God has called you here to Lexington, God called you here to Mount Horeb, he's got a purpose for you. You're here for a reason. God has a call upon your life. God's not going to forget about Mount Horeb in the days ahead, in this whole crazy confusion of something called the United Methodist Church, right? 
I trust God's got a call. And I trust God's timing. God's timing is, God's always on time. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. And those Israelites thought he was late, right? (laughs) Where's he at? You know, how many times have you thought God was late? Come on, God, would you show up? And God shows up on his time. Keros time, not Kronos time. It's always on God's timing. We've got to learn to trust God's timing, not ours. And then trust God's future. Will you trust God's future? Jesus said, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What dominates your thoughts? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? I don't know what's next. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. So I want to ask you three questions as we close this morning. Has God opened a window of opportunity for you that you keep closing? Has God opened a window of opportunity for you that you keep closing? God opens it up, and you close it. Not now, God. I'm not ready yet, God. God opens the window up, and you close it back down. I'm so thankful that this church has not closed the windows that God has opened. Amen? And I believe with all my heart that the window of opportunity is still wide open for this church, that God is not done with this place. The windows are still open. Number two, will you believe God for the impossible? Trust me. As I look back along the way, I see things that absolutely appeared impossible. How are you going to do this? And, you know, and actually, we should not try anything for God that is not impossible. Because if it's not impossible, we don't need God. Right? We can just do it ourselves. But God calls us to the impossible, so we realize the only way this is going to happen is if I'm in it with you. Because if I'm not in it with you, you're going to fail. (laughs) You're going to crash and burn. Or as Pastor, Pastor Faye likes to say, you're going off the cliff, you know? You know? Will, you, will you trust God with the impossible? And here, thirdly, will you follow God into the unknown? The unknown. That's the hardest one, isn't it? Will you follow God into the unknown? You know, the neat thing about following God into the unknown, you'll never be alone. Because God will be with you every step of the way. And you know what? He'll send his people to be with you, too. Those Israelites did not cross the Red Sea one person at a time. They, they, they crossed it a million strong. And whatever God has for Mount Horb in his future, we'll do it together, right? I'm so thankful for the ones who call me and text me and email me and go, we're with you on this. We're going to be with you. I don't know what God's got for us, but we're going to be with you. And, 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 and that's what we do as Christians, right? Now, Let me just close by saying, if you are a slave to your past, if you feel like you're buried in a grave instead of being living by grace, we have a God who wants to change your life today. We have a God who wants to set you free. If there's something keeping you in bondage, something in your past, he has the power to set you free. He has the power to to break your chains and to give you new life, to give you the power of resurrection. But, you know, here's the key. 
For that to happen, you've got to trust and obey. For there's no other way but to trust and obey. Father God, I thank you that today your word is clear. We look back on history, hindsight. We see your power. We see your might. We see your salvation through Jesus Christ. We see the power of the cross that forgives and makes it possible for every sin to be forgiven. Father God, help us to trust and obey. Trust you and obey you, for there's no other way. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.